When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the Sand Again Network. Kyla Horn, Zach Alfers here. Bro, I've been so sick since I got this stupid COVID vaccine. Just yeah. sweating and just flu-like symptoms. I was like underneath the covers just dying, dying last night. It sucked, dude. Well, now, now let me ask you a question. If you were an undrafted free agent and they told you you had to get the vaccine, are you going to retire or are you going to take the vaccine? <laughs> Is that why that, that dude retired Jared Goldwire? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly, but I, I kind of have a feeling that it's something to do with the vaccine. But um, Look, if I was just going to make the practice squad, just the practice <laughs> squad, and I just was a tackling dummy for – for Joey Bosa and everything, I don't, I'm doing anything I can in my power to to get there and, and be able to do that. I would do anything for that opportunity. I'm 30 years old, not too old to make the practice squad, man. <laughs> well, we might need some help from you. We can talk about it, but I, I think anybody who can has a able body, two able bodied legs should come out and to charge a training camp and compete for this kicker position. Because oh it's, my god, it's been ridiculous. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. We're going to get into it in a little bit, but man, it's not, I just don't like having kicker problems, man. No, it's, it's something you don't want to even think about. So the fact that we're talking about it so much uh, in training camp before we even played a meaningful game, you know, you, you really have a serious problem when uh, everybody and their moms are, are talking about our kickers. Well, we'll get into it today. We're going to be talking about fan fest. I had the opportunity to go on Sunday it was a ton of fun, man. It's awesome to see crowds inside that stadium. I mean, the the pictures that our people are taking. Uh, I know uh, Sean Merriman was there. I know Ladanian Tomlinson was there. A lot of people were getting photographs from some of the old vets, some of the old guys yeah. from the team. Uh, the offspring played. I didn't get to watch them live. The the way that the stadium set up, they have this own little like concert. I'll call it a hall, uh, kind of off by itself. Uh, we just went and ended up going to our seats and kind of watching the the concert from the stands. And you can see on the big board uh, some of the, the photos and things like that. It was cool. I mean, I haven't listened to The Offspring since, I don't know, 1995 or something like that. Those guys looked old. <laughs> Man, they look old. You were super pumped uh, going into it when you heard that they, they got the gig. Yeah, well, you know, I really grew up with like the offspring and you know that's you know my my childhood yeah you know and the offspring i think the offspring had a couple songs on one of the old maddens like madden 2000 or something like that right i i don't i don't recall but i would if you if you think that i would probably say you're probably right you know madden used to have a lot more like rock based songs on their soundtrack and now i feel like it's kind of gone away from that a little bit yeah well and i I think you just kind of listen to the radio like what's trending on the pop 100 you know it's a lot yeah. more r&b kind of stuff so they're kind of just moving with the trends but um yeah yeah it's definitely you know part of the what's in right now and you know rock isn't really in like it used to be anymore no not even close 90s were, were a good era for the rock and roll it definitely was 90s music that's when what you think of is like you know the offspring sublime green yeah. day and now it's kind of transitioned to this young rap. Yeah. <laughs> Which don't get me wrong. I love rap, but uh, just these mumble rappers, man, it's just it's a different. different. It, it seems like, yeah, just the the art itself of creating music is kind of diluted. But it's definitely different. Yeah, it's different. 
But, you know, I like our intro to our podcast. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> it gets me going every time. I kind of just, mm, mm, mm. yeah, hard rock it out. All right, so today let's talk about FanFest. Let's talk about the actual game itself. First yeah. thing I want to talk about, Odeo Bushi did not play well in pass protection mm. at all. Uh, I did post every just about 90% of the play-by-plays on my Twitter. So if you want to go back and check it out at the Master Poll, uh, I've got about 90% of the scrimmage on there. There's a couple things that I missed, some kids walking around in front of me that I couldn't uh, – you know, I had to kind of film around, but I did get to watch the scrimmage a little more in depth and look at some of our players. And O'Day stood out in a bad way in yeah. pass protection against Justin Jones. So I'm wondering, did Justin Jones just really improve as a pass rusher or was O'Day just really bad? Well, I don't know. I, I think simply, I think it's a combo. I mean, Obushi just had an awful day, way too many mistakes. And he kind of really struggled in like every facet of the game. Pass protection was very obvious. He was constantly getting beat off the line. I saw him getting drive, you know, backwards into Herbert's laugh more, more often than not. And then just whiffing on blocks when he's wide open in, in space. Um, yeah. As a lineman, you, you, you want to be moving people out of the way. And during the scrimmage, you know, it was mostly whatever interior defensive lineman was lined up in front of him did basically whatever he wanted at Abushi's expense. You know, got blown up, pushed back way too often. And it's something I wasn't really expecting from him, to be honest. You know, coming to the team, one thing that analysts really raved about was Abushi's toughness and physicality. And he just really didn't show that nastiness, uh, at least in that first half of camp, and definitely not in that scrimmage. But well, Justin you know, the, Jones. Go ahead. The run game in general kind of struggled. Uh, yeah. You know, I think we're offense is usually typically behind defense in training camp every year for every team everywhere. It takes a little while for that to to mend and to grow. So I'm hoping it's just kind of working through the issues and building that, you know, camaraderie with your teammates around you, especially being an interior offensive lineman. But I mean, he's got two really good players next in with Corey Lindsley and Brian Belaga. I know Brian Belaga didn't play a whole lot, but it is something to monitor. How is he going to react to his kind of his bad play? And it, you know, maybe it's something that he, you know, it's a scrimmage. Nobody's going down to the ground. Nobody's trying to get hurt. You know, maybe they're not playing a hundred percent. Maybe they're playing at, you know, 65, 70% what, where the defense can kind of win some of those battles that they normally wouldn't because your also health is at the forefront of this, right? Nobody, there was no tackling, you know, it was just hit, wrap up, hold on, hit, wrap up, hold on. So yeah, I'm hoping that's what it was. Well, and I think you're on, I think it's, it's, I don't think it's time to freak out yet. I think it has everything to do with the chemistry. It's a new line. And we really haven't, there hasn't been a whole lot of padded practice up to this point. We haven't been running the football a lot. So even just offensive line, you, you need that chemistry and that cohesiveness. That's going to take some time and to build up that familiarity with, with the, you know, the new pieces that we have on that line. And then running back on top of it, it's a lot, it's a position that you, requires momentum you need to get a good feel for it so if we're not running the football it, it's going to take some time so I think we're just kind of going through the early training camp the just the learning curve I, I, I think we're going to get there I just think it's something that's going to take some time um, and I don't think it I don't think we need to worry about it too much but on top on top of that the defensive line played outstanding Oh, they really did. So that defensive group in general looks really, really good. But especially that interior defensive line, Justin Jones had a really, Man. really good game. And I don't know if it was just him beating on O'Day or if he's really improved as a pass rusher. And that was kind of his, the knock to his game anyways, was he wasn't a strong pass rusher. He was really good against the run. And it really looks like he's taking that step forward. He was a third round pick uh, three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed we already we've talked about it. it seems like every podcast defensive line, defensive tackles, a position that typically takes some time to develop some of those tools, yeah. especially as a big man, because as a big man, you can't just rush off the edge and be the first one there to win. You know, you have to use your hands a lot more than a lot more ripping, a lot more swimming. You also have to have a feel for what they're doing in the run game, you know, getting lateral and not so far north to south in the run game so that you're blocking off those those running lanes right so yeah it takes some time and maybe this is a year that he gets it all together 
I mean, it's really starting to look like that, you know, just, you know, entering his fourth season in this camp, he's just starting to play with more confidence. And I think it's really evident when you look at those, the strides he's taken as a pass rusher, that's not part of his game. Only one and a half sacks to his name during his first three seasons in the league. Rushing the passer was not something I really expected from him, but he's been creating pressure from the interior, almost all camp. And I think, he was very disruptive in that scrimmage. And I, Tyler Shoon of the Guilty as Charged podcast, he kind of estimated there was about 10 sacks on the day. I, I think Jones was only credited with one, but his pressure that he was created from the interior, I think was very influential on, on the day that those edge players had just because he's blowing his guy up, at least in the scrimmage. They were. I will say that Rayshon Slater had himself a good day. Most he of did. that... Most of the issues was Storm Norton and Darius Bradwell on the right side. Uh, they struggled considerably mm -hmm. off the edge. And again, I don't know if this is because the offensive line is not playing at 100% and some of these defensive line guys can. Again, health being at the forefront of that. But Darius Bradwell, he's a big guy. I was watching him. He just looks so much bigger than everybody else he goes against, especially Chris Rump, who's yeah. light, right? He's, he's a long, lanky guy, but... You know, Joe, Joey Bosa calls him string bean. <laughs> yeah, he for sure is. He, he has some, he has some, and he's developing nicely too. I mean, uh, there, we could talk all day about just each player that is, has taken strides in this training camp because there's, it, it, it almost seems like it's a new guy every day, which is exactly what you want to see from a, a young team with, with a lot of holes. We thought from a depth perspective, it, it seems like these depth guys are, are coming along very nicely in camp. Well, we didn't get out of the scrimmage unscathed by injury. I know Kenneth Murray had a pretty scary injury. Uh, he's going to end up being fine. I know that Brandon Staley said that if this was a game day, he probably would have gone back in. But uh, he did look like he rolled his ankle. Uh, he went down right on the sideline, like right away. And I was like, oh, no, no. I was kind of expecting an injury by this point. But it looks like he's going to be okay. I know Corey Lindsley got rolled up on as well. Mm -hmm. He was at back at practice seemingly like the next day. I know Murray's still been out. But that yeah. did give a lot more room for Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga. I'm getting good at that name. Uh, he did play a lot of snaps, and he did look pretty good. I know there was a couple times he kind of overran his running lanes, but yeah. he was flying around the field. He's, he looks impressive. He looks like somebody that could take that you know, LB4 spot over Nick Neiman, potentially. I didn't get a chance to really, uh, you know, Nick Neiman did not stand out in any particular way, but it is interesting to see his development as an undrafted rookie. Definitely. And it's interesting that I don't think that you didn't notice Neiman, because I'm pretty sure in those packages, Amon and Neiman were playing with the first defense, basically most of the snaps. I, I want to say both of them were in. So if you were only noticing Amon and not you know, not Neiman. It's probably because Neiman wasn't making plays. But I really like what we got from Amon. He was a guy on our undrafted free agent episode that we were just raving about. To, to get noticed at OTAs as an undrafted free agent, that takes some skill. You're not hitting. You're not really doing much. So that's just all effort that got him noticed. You know, and at first it was Darius Swinton, the special teams coordinator. But now he has Staley talking him up, you know, after the scrimmage. So he's doing everything right right now. Just making plays taking advantage of the limited reps, and he's making them count. It's hard to get noticed as an undrafted free agent, but he's forcing the coaching staff to pay attention to him, and he's shining more often than not. I think he's very extreme or extremely gifted from an athletic standpoint. I think he's a little underdeveloped as a, as a linebacker, just pure linebacker skills. But, man, I think he's going to crack this linebacker rotation sooner rather than later from what we've been seeing uh, in training camp. And, you know, you said it just a second ago, it's really hard to get noticed as an undrafted free agent, especially when you're not tackling, right? You're yeah. just hitting. So to be able to see the pads come on, especially because I'm, I'm expecting him to play significant snaps on Saturday in our, the scrimmage against the Rams. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's able to do when he is tackling, when he is going yeah. to the ground, when he is, you know, not, you know, letting up on his hits because we're, you know, emphasizing health and he gets his chance to really shine. I'm really excited to see that. Uh, moving on, the passing game was moving along pretty nicely. I know Justin Herbert had a few errant throws, but for the most part, the, the offense was driving down the field methodically. 
And one of the other things I noticed is a lot more passing concepts than the running mm. concepts, which is great to see because being in an Anthony led offense for the last yeah. three, four years, and now seeing kind of the passing game being the emphasis of the offense is really nice to see. I know I didn't capture it on camera, but Jalen Guyton got a, a nice like 30, 40 yard uh, receiving throw. Uh, I think Asante Samuel fell down on the play that allowed it. But then you had the Mike Williams touchdown in the corner of the end zone. You had the slant at the, mm-hmm. what was that, two yard line, which is, you know, defense is expecting run in that situation. And then you're coming out going against what, you know, the defense is expecting you to do and throwing that slant like that. It's, it's nice to see the offense being primarily focused with a, a passing style of offense, especially when you got a guy like Justin Herbert there, especially when you got a room of just super talented receivers everywhere. Yeah. It's, I, it's fun to see. I think that was the, the thing that stood out to me smooth passing game but I, I like to see you know Justin Herbert spreading the wealth around when you have a guy like Keenan who's just seemingly always open I think it would be like a natural reaction for a Herbert or a young quarterback to just hone in on one guy you kind of want to gravitate towards your safety blanket but that's not the case for Herbert it's not the case in the scrimmage he was slinging the ball all over the place getting all of his playmakers involved and so his willingness to get everyone involved in the offense I think really stood out to me it, it's all good news. Like you, you mentioned, the passing game's looking good. I, I think we gave up a couple sacks. I think Herbert did have that interception on the sideline to Derwin, but that was no. a that was a sack. He'll tell you that that was a sack. He was giving giving Derwin James a reason to be on on well, ESPN that that weekend. And you know, Eckler fell down, and that but that ball was poorly placed. It, it shouldn't have been thrown. No, but I, I think well, it's practice, right? It's practice. I, it good leads into my point. A lot more positives than negatives. And, and that's, you're really just going to see the potential of this offense. You're really not going to see how it, yeah, we're just getting a glimpse of it. And it's, it's very interesting to see so far early on. I feel like in a game day situation, Herbert doesn't throw that. There's no way he throws a jump ball to Austin Eckler down the field with Derwin James. And I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I mean, he, he 4.0 biology major at Oregon. I, I want to say he's smarter than that. He definitely is. Uh, Trey McKitty had a couple eye-opening blocks. I know he wasn't used a whole lot in the passing game, but I, I love his ability to to get hold, pivot, and take the the defender out of the play. His ability oh, as, a, as the team's primary t- blocking tight end. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code IHEART. It's significant and it's a lot. Like he, it was really impressive to see a rookie 
with technique like that to be able to get down low and you're pivoting your body away from the ball carrier to give him that running lane on the outside. Uh, he was super impressive. And then one of the other players that kind of stood out to me was Braden Fihoku. Uh, Braden Fihoku played really well from the interior of the D line. Uh, I really wish one of the things that I wish I would have gotten to see is more first team offense for second team defense and second team mm. offense for first team defense and be able to see how do players play at that higher level of competition. Right. I, I would have loved to have seen Chris Rep going up against, uh, you know, some of the first team edge rushers uh, going up against the second team offensive line and vice versa and see how they handle that adversity, handle that, you know, better quality of player from that side of the field. Yeah, both of those guys are are very impressive. I guess let's just start with McKitty first. Really impressed with his his development and looking at Lombardi's offense, what he's trying to instill, at least in New Orleans, a bunch of two tight end sets. There was a bunch of three tight end sets. I, I think I even saw a red zone formation where in New Orleans where they lined up four tight ends. So we're going to need one of those guys lower on the depth chart to step up. And so far, really like what we've seen from McKitty. When we drafted him, I think that's we knew that he was going to get most of his playing time as an inline blocker. Jared Cook's really good for us. I think Parham can develop into a really good player for us, but they're both primary pass catching tight ends. Steven Anderson, Matt Sokol, uh, we, they're okay, but it's very evident that McKitty is the best blocker of the bunch just huge athletic for his size and to be a good run blocker you know you have to have a certain mentality you have to embrace contact and actually go out and seek it and i think that's what mckitty does well he explodes off the line he initiates the contact and i think that's what makes him special in my eyes as a a run blocker and he hasn't been used a whole lot but he has been when he gets chances in the passing game he's been making some nice catches he's showing off some nice soft hands that we didn't really get to see in in college so if he could develop that he's going to be a really nice draft pick for us on top of that man i'm really rooting for Braden foku it's just a, such a fantastic personality and i don't know how you could watch the guy play and not root for him just plays with outstanding energy he's a high motor guy and he's never going to quit on a play fantastic locker room presence and the guys like him yeah he, he was on the practice squad last year but i, I really see him making this final roster as you know the the primary backup to Linval Joseph I don't really think we have true nose tackle types beyond those two so I really want to see Fahoku make the team just to really give Linval some some breathing and and keep him fresh and healthy so that's really where I see Braden fitting in I think he's limited as a pass rusher but he's just one of those immovable objects in the running game just so strong and he's a good he's a good guy. I'm, I'm really rooting for him. I hope he makes this final fifty three. I uh, I agree with you every every word that you just said there. I think Fioko also has that ability to move to the three tech defensive tackle position. I know that's kind of where he's listed on the depth yeah. chart. Uh, we'll talk about the depth chart here in just a sec. But I I think he has that flexibility where he's big enough, he's strong enough to kind of hold the nose and and take on the double teams. But I think he's also agile enough to play as that three tech. Uh, he's got some development and some room to grow there. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the last player I want to talk about from that scrimmage is Chris Rump. Chris Rump looks extremely quick off the line of scrimmage. You can tell that he is a coach's son, just the way yeah. that he plays. Uh, and he was able to beat Storm Norton more than enough times to tell me that Storm Norton is not not the answer to the backup tackle. No. Uh, he was constantly getting pressure on the quarterback, constantly getting around the edge, constantly beating the man inside. Uh, I know I was kind of talking with somebody on Twitter where they said that, well, he shouldn't have cut it to the outside. He's supposed to keep outside contained. But, you know, when you're on the hash closer to the sideline and you're the outside edge on that and you're looking at the formation, you're seeing bunch trips to the left, you can take that, right? You want the quarterback to roll out to the weak side when, you know, you got a player running to the flats, the opposite side and a corner route. And, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're able to give that up in certain situations, but schematically, right. It's everything's got to fall into place to go, go ahead and do that. So Chris Rump looked super impressive to me uh, on the day. And that's about everything I have to talk about. Unless we want to talk about kickers getting booed 
at FanFest. I'm not sure if you heard that or not. I did. I mean, good. They deserve to be booed because <laughs> that performance is absolutely embarrassing. I just really don't know what to do at this point because I don't have any confidence in any of the three guys we have on the roster. I, they just haven't shown me anything I, to believe in. Yeah, I was really hoping badly Badgley was going to figure it out because, but I just think he's a guy, you know, he's just playing mental games with himself. He hit some clutch kicks for us as a rookie. And since then, just kind of psyched himself out. I feel like he never really had crazy leg strength. So he was only good in 2018 because he believed in himself. Now that his confidence is gone, I, I, he's just a guy who shaved his mullet, can't kick kickoffs, and should only be expected to hit about 50% of his field goal attempts. Uh, I mean, v- Viscano, he, he's had some good days in practice, and he supposedly has a very powerful leg, but misses from 38 and 49 in a scrimmage setting, absolutely unexcusable. And I really just think Kessman is as a camp body at this point. The dude went two for six in the scrimmage, by far the least accurate of the three, so... Yeah, I'm very frustrated with the situation. You know, I know uh, Chad Ochocinco once kicked an extra point and a kickoff for the Bengals in a preseason game. So at this point, you know, I wouldn't even mind bringing him out of retirement to compete for the job because <laughs> what we have in camp is is just so beyond embarrassing. I don't even know what to say anymore. It's a, it's not good. It's not a good situation. I guess we can just segment this into the. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's yeah, let's go camp. on something good. Yeah, let's bring talk it up about again. camp and let's say. Right now, it looks like Vizcano has the inside track to be the team's starter. I know he was Darius Swinton's guy, but the, the battle is really it's between Badgley and Vizcano, and it looks like Kessman's kind of on the super far outside looking in. Yeah. If anything, I think it's time to let go of Kessman and bring in a different camp body, maybe an extra safety, maybe an extra corner, uh, maybe another offensive lineman. I know there's some still some decent free agents out on the market, uh, but right now, it, it looks like Kessman is completely out of the running. Now, I know Vizcano and Badgley are kind of tied in terms of, uh, you know, each. it seems like every week they're going three for five, three for five, three yeah. for five, right? And, and a couple four for fives. Uh, I think they only have, each of them only has a full day of five of five, right? Uh, it, the situation needs to get better. It, it's not good right now. And I'm hoping that one of them just ends up pulling through once the season starts. So they they both have plenty of chances. It really is a close battle and anybody could win it. So, yeah, but I just want one to, you know, dominantly win it. I don't want to have to settle. And right now it's going to be like, it looks like we're just going to have to settle. Whichever one has the least crappy game on that final preseason game is looking like it's going to be the guy. So I want someone to absolutely claim this spot for me to be, you know. And right now it looks like Vizcano is going to claim the spot because you're going to go, if you're going to go with two guys who have the same accuracy, you're, you're going to fall back on leg power. Well, and they've mentioned it, you know, every press conference. They don't want, they really don't want Badgley. They basically are saying it. We want a guy who, we want, we want our place kicker to handle kickoffs. So they're basically telling us that Badgley is, is you know, yeah, I, th- I, I, in my original thoughts, thought that Badger was going to win this, but too. I'm flipping the script and I think that it's going to be Vizcano. So, the Chargers' first unofficial depth chart just recently came out. Uh, no surprise, Justin Herbert is going to be the uh, these team starting uh, quarterback. Sorry, Chase Daniel. You know, Chase Daniels actually looked pretty good yes. in practice, though, as well. You know, he's he's definitely going to make the roster as the team's backup. And then behind them, you have uh, Easton Stick and KJ Costello, who have both struggled. I know Costello was with the team during the team's mini camp, uh, but Easton Stick has not been very impressive. I know they like his skill set as kind of that mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that he falls back down to the practice squad and, and plays that role of in practice of that athletic quarterback who can get outside the pocket, but he's just not been able to take the strides forward. Uh, We're going to see a lot of him on Saturday. I'm expecting uh, Justin Herbert to not even touch the field. He might get a drive in to kind of get the jitters out, but ultimately Herbert's not going to be playing very much of either of these three games, No, but stick. And I expect KJ Costello to play as well. And I think the vet chase Daniel might get a, a, a quarter, and then I think Stick and Castell are going to play the majority of those snaps. So we'll see how that shakes out. 
Uh, Austin Eckler didn't play too much at FanFest. He's penciled in as a team starter, no surprise there. But behind them, you're going to have Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, and Larry Roundtree the third. I know Darius Bradwell's on there. I don't expect him to make the roster. But Jackson, Kelly, and Roundtree, it seems like a pretty tight camp battle between them, the three of them. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I was really bummed when I first heard um, – Justin Jackson got put on the COVID list because I really thought that his chances of making the roster were done right there, but he, he's obviously got it figured out. He's came back and has had a really good camp up to this point. In my opinion, I, I think he's clearly the number two back behind Eckler. I just think he's more polished. And honestly, I think he's just a more talented runner than both Kelly and Roundtree. Now, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. His vision, his ability to, to, you know, sidestep defenders. Yeah. Uh, and then, so it, it really is going to come down to Kelly and Roundtree. In my personal opinion, I think that they carry four backs. I've been saying it since the beginning, but. Four running on, backs. Four running backs. Yes. And but neighbors. They, and neighbors. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about neighbors actually, but Kelly looked like the better runner in the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I know he bounced a few plays outside. I know he was hitting the hole with some power. I know Roundtree has that power as well. But yeah. right now it does seem like Kelly's got, you know, at least a step in the door uh, before Roundtree. And I feel like Roundtree's just trailing a little bit. But really, that's that's going to be a close battle between the two of them as well. Very close. I, I really hope Kelly gets it. I, I don't think he really got a fair shot last season as a rookie. I think he has a, a really intriguing skill set. And I'd like to see that further developed. But if Roundtree's the guy, it's going to be because the dude is just a bruiser. You know, he's delivered way more shots than he's taken so far in camp. And if he carves out a role on this team, it's going to be because he's the most physical runner of of all the guys we have in camp. And then you just said it, fullback gave neighbors. But something else that I noticed from the scrimmage, uh, Steven Anderson, who is listed as the third tight end, he was taking snaps at tight end and he was taking snaps at fullback. He's also listed as a starter currently on the team's depth chart for kick return, I believe it is. Uh, he's going to be playing some significant snaps. I, I'm starting to trend more toward the team carrying four tight ends. And yeah. I think there's a possibility, no, nothing set in stone, but there is a possibility Steven Anderson pushes Gabe Neighbors off the roster. Oh, you, you think you can push him off? I think he can, because if you're going to carry four tight ends, and in my belief, yeah. carrying four running backs, you're going to carry at least five, maybe six wide receivers. I mm-hmm. think that fullback position, I think you got Steven Anderson there. You can stick Gabe Neighbors on the the practice squad if you know injury occurs and you need to bring him back up. I don't see yeah. any team jumping at Gabe Neighbors and pulling him out of you know the team's practice squad. Final yeah. 53, I think Steven Anderson makes the cut. And then you can play around with your your game day rosters as you see fit based off of game plan or whatnot. But Steven Anderson so far, he's been utilized quite a bit in, in different packages. I know he's yep. played some of that H-back role. He's played some of that fullback role. He offers more ability in the special teams department than I think Gabe Neighbors has shown, especially from tape last year where Neighbors was really not a good blocker. He, he really wasn't. He struggled. Uh, I don't haven't been able to see too much of that transition into, into you know the scrimmage or in the training camp this year. I don't know how much better he's gotten. Uh, for some reason, when he gets through the hole, he just seems lost looking for the next guy to block. He hasn't been able to always find that linebacker or, or kick out that defensive end. I don't think he's got the size to kick out a defensive end other than maybe Chris Rumpf. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there is a possibility that Steven Anderson makes it as the team's starting fullback. And then you stick Gabe Neighbors on the practice squad and he offers special teams ability. He's an athletic guy, but he hasn't shown enough as a true fullback to be able to carry that role onto into the season, in my opinion, as of right now. No, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think even if neighbors makes this, I think we're definitely going to carry four tight ends. Um, just because like I mentioned before, Lombardi loves his heavy, his heavy tight end packages. And I feel like all the top four guys at the position have been making plays throughout camp. And I think it's going to be very hard to cut any of these guys because in my opinion I think they all they all each offer something that the others don't really have and for Anderson it's his versatility he slated as a special teams starter I think he has tons of potential in that phase of the game you mentioned it 
they've been using him as H back. I think that's a positive sign at the very least, just to have some competition and a backup there if neighbors does go down. And then I think he's demonstrated some great run after the catch ability. I think of all the tight ends on the roster, I think he's probably Steven Anderson is probably the hardest to tackle in the open field just because he has like that natural wiggle and that ability to just kind of sneak past defenders. So I really think we're going to get four tight ends on this roster simply because just going off of camp, I don't see how you can cut any of the top four guys, that being Jared Cook, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty, and Steven Anderson. It's going to be a tough cut. I'll also leave it at this. So Steven Anderson is listed third on the initial depth chart and Trey Hmm. McKitty is fourth. Now, I don't think that means a whole lot. And Matt Sokol, Hunter Kampmoyer, Matt Siebert, they're really long shots to make the roster. It is kind of a talented tight end room. It's inexperienced in terms of Donald Parham and Trey McKitty. Uh, but Jerry Cook's definitely shined in camp in, at different points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Parham has that length to him. Uh, Steven Anderson has that versatility, and Trey McKitty's the blocker. All four of them offer something different to make the roster. So let's move on to wide receivers. We've seen plenty of Al- Keenan Allen highlights over and over. It seems like Mike Williams has been kind of quiet. Uh, I, I think this camp has really defined his role as just the deep threat. That's all that he offers. Yeah. Um, I keep saying it over and over and over. I'm not that high on Mike Williams. I think his skill set is something that is hard to replicate, but I don't think that skill set transitions to, you know, I need this guy. He has to be here. Uh, Tyrone Johnson, he's been injured for, for a few weeks now. Uh, He's definitely shined, though. He's definitely been able to get behind the defense. I know that his hands have been strong. Uh, Jalen Guyton is listed as the tight end opposite of Tyrone Johnson. Uh, Guyton has still struggled with drops in camp. I think that there is an off chance that he gets cut or that he gets more than likely he gets traded for a late round pick and you're going to give the green light to either K.J. Hill, Austin Prohl, or Joe Reed. Uh, Joshua Palmer's safe bet to make the roster. I know he's listed kind of far behind, but I think it's just the fact that he's a rookie. Yeah. Uh, I think one of those three players, Austin Pearl, KJ Hill, or Joe Reed is going to end up making that final roster. Uh, from the looks of it, I know Joe Reed had a nice start to camp, but some of that is sort sort of diminished. KJ Hill has shined at, at different moments. Uh, Austin Pearl has shined at different moments. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. There's not eight spots for wide receivers on this team. There's five, and if you're lucky, there might be six. And it's really hard to make that decision. Do you want Joe Reed? Do you want K.J. Hill? Or do you want Austin Prohl? It's it's going to be a very hard, hard thing to manage. Very hard thing to manage, and I think whichever one of them makes it, it's going to be because, and it's going to be all off of their special team acumen. And right now, that front runner is looking like Austin Prohl. He's really like the front runner to land that starting pump return job. KJ Hill's been struggling. Joe Reed is just not making plays. So I think whichever guy makes it, he's going to be a starting pump returner. And right now, just looking at the practice, looking at the guys who get logged out there first, it's looking like Prol. And I'll admit, I thought he had no chance of making the team at the beginning of camp, but he's been super impressive. For these bubble guys, like you need to be good at special teams, and, and that's kind of where he's dominating right now. I, I And he's showing some – he could contribute as a receiver as well, which is not something that I was expecting. He's hauling in you know, a couple nice catches almost every practice. So I, I think that's what the coaching staff is looking for from the guys low on the depth chart, universal guys who contribute in, in multiple facets of the game. And, and right now I think Prol is, is really leading the charge there from those younger – younger receivers trying to make the end of the roster. And we were just talking about special teams. So I was running through Daniel Popper's reviews on the athletic of each day of camp. Uh, So your kick returners right now that are practicing your kick returners is going to be Nasir Adderley, KJ Hill, and Joe Hmm. Reed on the punt team is Jalen Guyton, T Billy, KJ Hill, and Austin Prohl. There's only one player listed on both of those depth charts and it's KJ Hill. So that's something else to monitor. Do you want the kick returner? Do you want hmm. the punt returner? I don't know why Austin Prohl hasn't been returning kickoffs. Yeah. Uh, he's fast, but if you look at what Joe Reed specializes in, it's getting to that top speed. He's a strong runner and he's going to run through arm tackles where I don't see small guys like KJ Hill or Austin Prohl doing that. 
I no. do not want Nasir Adderley returning punts because I, we've talked about it. We already think that safety is somewhat of a weak position. My views on that has changed a little bit. We'll get into it once we get to the defensive side of the ball. But, I mean, K.J. Hill is the only guy listed in both spots and at least returning punts, uh, kick, punts and kicks. I haven't seen Austin Prohl returning kicks. I haven't heard about it. Uh, well, so it's something to monitor. It's, a, it's an interesting battle and see how that shapes out. Well, yeah, and something that I was interested to see that Prohl was not a prolific punt returner in college. Only six punt returns to his name in college and only and never fielded a kickoff. So that that might be a little might have something to do with it. He just doesn't really have experience there. Um, but then that probably leads me to having to backtrack my statement and say KJ Hill probably has the the yeah, he returned punts at, at Ohio State. He was a team's punt returner for like half the season last year. Yeah, it's dude, it's just such it's an interesting tough. battle. And I if I if I was in the coaching staff making the decisions, I would have a hard time trying to decide what to do with these guys. And I don't think you could put all all of them on the practice squad and I don't think that they're going anywhere. So you're not losing them. You know, if you you're if you're if you're looking at it, ultimately I think it's going to be a week by week basis. I think all of them are going to revert to the practice squad and you're going to make the decision if you're going up against, you know, Brandon yeah. McManus and the Broncos, who's, you know, they're traditionally kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone. Well, maybe Joe Reed's not your guy. Maybe it is Austin Prohl, hmm. right? You know, if it's, you know, a team that's kind of 50% kicking it out of the end zone, you know, and then you don't have a, a great punter, then maybe you want KJ Hill to take both of those jobs, right? And and vice versa. So it's, it really could just be a week by week thing, which would be another interesting thing to monitor. Well, yeah, I really like that. And it's something I didn't really think of, but you look at those guys, I agree with you. I don't think any of them are really getting swooped up if they clear waivers. But I do yeah, I think, think all of them are going to clear waivers. But I could see them on a week to week basis, one being better than the other. And right now, I think that is the the toughest spot that I don't think anyone is really excelling and really separating themselves. So I don't know why. Why you know a, a wide receiver five by committee approach might be interesting, especially with Lombardi's offense, which is all about mismatches and exploiting mismatches. So I, I like it. I think it's something to monitor moving forward. So let's move on to the offensive line. Rayshon Slater has been super impressive during camp. I know he has oh, been stalemating Joey Bosa. He has not lost very many matchups, to be honest. I think no. this guy could be an all-pro next year. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe I'm just Maybe. A, a big Chargers fan. <laughs> but Slater has been super impressive. His anchor has been strong. You know, I think he's going to be probably the best offensive lineman in this class, and he's like one of the only non-injured offensive lineman who was drafted early. Yeah. I know Daniel Popper did a thing where uh, he showed like out of the top tackles, top 12 tackles drafted, like six of them are, are injured or, you know, maybe not season in being injuries and Slayer seems to be healthy. I mean, he's constantly kick stepping wherever he's at. He just stops and just does a, a kick step. So yeah. I think Slater is definitely going to potentially even be our best offensive lineman. Because uh, I, I think he's just super talented. I know Lindsley is probably one of the best centers in the NFL, but Slater is a sleeper for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Slater's absolutely everything we could have hoped for in a left tackle. And, you know, every practice, I feel like I like the guy more and more. I think his physical abilities are, are obvious. Nobody should ever get over on Joey Bosa. So when Slater won that first one-on-one -on -one drill, you know, I kind of thought to myself, okay, well, it could have been a fluke. You know, it's early on. But since then, they've just been going at it. And Slater, if not he's holding his own, he's beating the best pass he's rushers winning. in the game. It's been very impressive to watch. You know, his slick feet, his brute strength. He stood up Bosa in that drill and only gave up like a couple steps. That's not easy to do. His and confidence I, has got to be so high right now. It has to be sky high. I just and want him to ride this way. Where's this parade you keep talking about? <laughs> I want that parade. I'm serious about the parade. But I, I and the, the reason I want to throw the parade is because I just love this guy's desire to be great. He wants to be an all pro. If he's not already, he wants it so bad. And it's obvious when you see him approach the game. Always one of the first guys there, last to leave. And his 
passion shows. He, he has that desire to be great. He wants to be better every day. And I, man, our future at left tackle is extremely bright with Slater holding down the blind side. I, I'm so impressed with that kid. This dude went on a cruise and was practicing his I, kick step at the top of the cruise. That's what I'm talking <laughs> the about. Cruise He's things. just constantly working. Those are uh, the Matt traits. Feeler. Go ahead, Matt go ahead. Feeler has been playing pretty well. Uh, you know, there's not much to talk about, and that's a good thing, right? He's not negative. He's not positive. He's just there, and he's doing his job. He's just the lunch pill guy doing his thing. I know Lindsley had his injury. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing too concerning. He was back at practice, already practicing full. Uh, Odeobushi is the guy I want to talk about. Is, is his job safe? Safe? No. Not by Is there somebody any... on this roster that you think can, can take that position from him? So that's where – so – that's where I kind of have the problem. I, I definitely thought Abushi would is going to be the weakest part of this offensive line. And if any of the current starters to were to lose their starting spot, you know, my money would be all on Abushi. But I think he's going to figure it out. I, I think he's still adjusting to this unit. They're all kind of learning each other. Like I mentioned before, that's going to make some time or take some time. So I have faith in Abushi. I think he should be feeling a little pressure, but not a whole lot because I, I'm really not. There's nobody I, on the depth chart that you look I, at and be like, you know, he's got some solid competition. No. Well, now, I look at the guys were, behind him. It's Tyree St. Louis. A guy, yeah. If there was a guy that I think that should be like, hey, coach, play me at this position. I think I could win this matchup. I yeah. think Scott Quisenberry. If you look at Scott hmm. Quisenberry when he was a center two years ago, he's a starting center when Mike Pouncey went down. He played yeah. pretty well. I know he's going into his third year. I, like I know that did. his brother, David Quisenberry, has been a pretty solid starter in the NFL for a while. I think Scott Quisenberry should tap coach. Scott, if you're listening, I'm giving you some pointers right now. Yeah. Go tap your offensive line coach. Be like, hey, coach, I want this position. I think I can win it. I want to go one-on-one with him. I want you mm-hmm. and me to be compared, and I, I'm going to take that spot because I think Scott Quisenberry is probably the next – best offensive lineman on yes. this roster. I He hasn't gotten the chance to really shine since, you know, his rookie season when he was taking those snaps. I want to see Scott Quisenberry try and take that position for him. That's a camp battle I want to watch. That would be interesting because I, I agree with you. Qberry is definitely our best backup lineman, and he has experience at guard. I, I think we kind of just slated him into center because he performed so well in, in uh, Mike Pouncey's absence, but Man, I, I could really see that. That would be a good camp battle to watch. I I still f- kind of feel, though, like Abushi's going to figure it out. I, I think we kind of brought him here for a reason, and it's just the experience that he has. So I, I'm really rolling with just the experience right there. I'm not impressed by any means from what I've seen from Abushi, but because he's been in the league for many, many years, I, I kind of, I, I guess it's just my fandom. I want him to figure it out. Um, I, I think a he has veteran. a long way to go. Get it figured out. He will. I don't think he's going to be the worst starting guard in the NFL, right? We've had yeah. the worst center and worst guard, you know, playing right next to each other <laughs> last year. So I think that yeah. he is a vet. I think he's going to get it figured out. But early returns on this tiny investment are not not very big for sure. Yeah, or let's not and not over, obvious. Let's move over to the defensive line. Uh, right now, no surprise, Joey Bosa and Uchen Nwosu are listed as the starters. I know Kyler Fackrell has been moving back and forth in Nwosu quite a bit, and I expect that to be a rotation you see quite a bit. We already talked about Chris Rump. I think Chris Rump has a real shot to to play significant snaps, and especially in obvious passing situations. Uh, I, I do think that he is talented enough as a pass rusher, but his ability to stop the run is something that's going to be very questionable I know he's listed right next to Mike Boule as the second pass rusher there. Uh, we'll see how that ends up transitioning. And then from the defensive line, you've got Jerry Tillery, Linval Joseph, Justin Jones. We already talked about Justin Jones taking some strides forward, it seems like. It feels like Jerry Tillery's camp has been kind of quiet, right? You yeah. haven't been hearing a whole lot from him. You haven't been hearing that he's been giving up any massive holes or anything like that. Uh, but he is definitely somebody you're going to want to monitor and then you look at Linval Joseph. He's the vet. I know he played every single snap last year. He should not be playing every single snap. We should be limiting his workload. You've got Christian Covington, who's got starting experience. We already talked about Braden Fihoku potentially yeah. being one of the guys that could help kind of take some, some 
of that workload off of him. Even Cortez Broughton is a big body. Uh, nobody is 330 pounds in that nose tackle room. So you're looking at some of your other guys in the back. I know Forrest Merrill's a big guy. I didn't get to see him play or stand out in any sort of form at the scrimmage. So that's still a, a position to monitor. It seems like Jerry Tiller and Justin Jones are going to be that three tech uh, with that rotation. And then Linval Joseph with probably playing like 75% of the snaps and Christian Covington coming in to, for cleanup. Yeah, I, I'm kind of bummed to not see a whole lot of splash plays from Tillery because he was a guy I was expecting to just go on an absolute tear throughout camp. And I don't know, I'm hoping we kind of see it pick up when we get into the preseason games and you finish off the second half of camp. But, you know, this was a guy who was supposed to really excel in this new defensive system because of his length and his power. We just really haven't seen it. I, I, I do think he looks more polished and more refined than he did as a rookie but he hasn't been making those big plays that you would expect from a former first round draft pick. And I think that kind of leads me into, like, I'm on like the same fence as I am with Mike Williams, where I think we're just setting the expectations way too high for Tillery, given where we took him in the draft. And I don't think he's ever going to live up to those expectations that we set for him. I think he's a serviceable starter. I think he's a great piece to this defensive line rotation but he's just not going to be the all pro that everyone wants him to be, or we wanted him to be when we drafted him. Now he's very young still. He could very well turn into that all pro, but what I'm saying, he's not close to that level yet. And I think we could, should just kind of accept that he's a good player. He's just not great. And if we keep waiting on him to be great and he never lives up to it, then we're going to be disappointed. But if we kind of just accept that he's good right now and he does eventually become a great player, then Hey, surprise, everyone's happy. So I think we just need to dampen our expectations on Tillery a little bit and let the dude go and play football. You know, as a fan, I, I hope he figures it out. But if not, I'm okay with the player that we have right now, which is a good, serviceable football player. I think one of the big issues with Tillery is that he wasn't very impressive last year. He was remarkably better than he was as a rookie. He still really struggles in the run game. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he's gotten a lot stronger and he's able to take that. I also hope that with blitzing linebackers behind him with some of the different scheme changes, you're, you're going to get him freed up. You're going to create opportunities for him to, to get into holes that he wasn't expecting. You're also going to see a lot more stunts this year. So you'll see him, you know, rushing outside of Bosa as Bosa's coming inside and whatnot. Uh, Tillery is just, he's just a player that, you know, we keep talking about it's, you know, developing those tools. It's, it's a lot harder than it seems. Uh, so, I'm really, really interested to see him play significant snaps on Saturday. I think yeah. that he is because I still think you're developing those tools. I, He's I a think young enough right. player. You don't have to limit his reps as much. Granted, you're not going to play him probably for three quarters or whatnot, but you know, I want to see him play half the game and, and see him in rotation with another young guy, Justin Jones, there and, and be able to see what, what do you got here, right? Ultimately, one of those guys is going to be the starter. It's going to be Jerry Tiller, Justin Jones. Both of them offer opposite skill sets. One is a really good run defender. The other is good. But to see how they have developed the weaknesses of their game, that's what I want to see. I'm also looking forward to seeing Braden Fahoku and even Cortez Broughton in the interior of that defensive line. Uh, Forrest Merrill should get some playing time as well. So that is an interesting group to continue to monitor. Uh, next up, we got linebackers. I don't think Kenneth Murray is probably going to play this this week. I, I know that he's still dealing with this rolled ankle. It's probably just a sprain. Uh, you probably won't see him for the next two weeks. You'll probably get him in for a series or two in, in uh, the week three matchup that we have. But it looks like Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White are both listed together as starters. Yeah. One of them is going to be coming in. One of them is going to be coming off. Now, Kaiser White has flashed in camp. Uh, Drew Tranquil has flashed as well, but I keep hearing Kaiser White's name quite a bit, and it seems like he's making plays all over camp. Uh, he is listed as the starter in terms of he came out first with the first-team offense. Uh, he's getting those opportunities, and his name is just keeps shining. He keeps shining. I keep hearing about him. Yeah. And then next up, you have Nick Neiman, Cole Christensen backing them up, and then Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga. I don't even think I have to talk about Damon Lloyd because I've heard absolutely zero about him all camp. Nothing. Uh, Kaiser White is having absolutely a phenomenal training camp. Like you said, his name is just... Uh, it's everywhere. Plays all over. He's making plays 
and, and multiple different positions. You know, he was a former safety in college and he's been showing off his coverage skills early on and he's picked off multiple passes. I think he's even taken or turned one for a touchdown, broken up a ton of passes, also a force in the run game, just blowing up running lanes and showing a nice burst to get into the backfield. I think it's scheme. When you look at it, right, I think a lot of it is that he's not just dropping back into coverage, right? He's playing man against, you know, running backs coming out of the backfield and stopping it for a one-yard gain or a tackle for loss. He's playing everywhere, and it's it's ultimately, I think it's scheme. He's playing downhill, right? You take that first step forward, and you're coming, and you got that crosser coming up behind you. It's a lot easier to get to that than having to come up and play cleanup. He's not getting matched up with wide receivers deep down the field. It's all scheme based. I think ultimately, you know, the Chargers played a really bland, boring level of defense last year with yeah. the four three cover three. And now you're you're mixing it in. You're you know the the offense doesn't know what the defense is doing ever because they're showing the same look all the time. And now you've got Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil really benefiting from this change of scheme where the, the linebackers can play like linebackers are supposed to downhill. You know, sometimes you're lined up on the line of scrimmage and you're dropping back into coverage, or maybe you're getting a delayed blitz. It's all scheme based. Yeah, I, and I love it. I, I think it makes it's just using these two players' unique skill sets to their to this team's advantage. Something that we did not see in the Bradley system. To me, it's a great problem to have because if White does earn that starting second or that starting linebacker position it's going to free up Tranquil to play some more special teams, which I thought was there's going to be no chance of him playing special teams coming off an injury and, you know, being the presumed starter. If white takes those snaps, that would be awesome to see Tranquil back on special teams. Cause we all know how, how great he can be in that phase of the game. And then let's move on to the cornerback rooms right now. Chris Harris and Michael Davis are listed as starters. Asante Samuel isn't listed as a starter, but you, you're going to have three cornerbacks there. Yeah. I know Brandon Faxon and Tevin Campbell have their names have popped a little bit during camp, nothing too much. But I keep hearing about all these pass breakups by our DBs. Yeah, and I I, I think Asante Samuel is stepping up to the challenge. I know he's asking to cover uh, Keenan Allen. You I know, telling that. Chris Harris, "Hey, this is this one. This rep's mine. Let me get this guy." He's playing big too. Like you're, you're looking at guys like Mike Williams and Donald Parham, who they're they're big bodies, and he's matching up with them pretty well. He's making mistakes. He's falling down to the ground in the scrimmage, right? But he's also making plays, and that's one thing. If you're going to make mistakes, you have to make plays to make up for that. If you're going to give up a touchdown, you have to be getting an interception at some point, you know, and and being able to get returns. He's playing big. I'm excited to see him tackle next week too i'm excited to see him against a higher level of competition i know he played in the acc for florida state uh it's it's a different atmosphere and these receivers are going to be a lot better than the guys he's been playing against so i want to see how he matches up against guys in coverage playing man which is something he did a lot at florida state yeah i i was a honestly a, a big fan of samuel juniors when we drafted him but I became a super fan when he tapped on Chris Harris shoulder and asked for that Keenan rep because, you know, just like Slater, you know, those are the championship traits that desire to want to be great. It's something you love to see from such a young, talented player. And then like you were talking about the mistakes he's been making very minimal, especially when you throw in the fact that they've asked him to learn every position, every defensive back position. That's a lot for a young guy to take on. And All of them take- have too. All of them have been taking some sort of reps at safety, except uh, Michael Davis. Michael Davis is the only guy who's just pretty much slotted as the slot corner. Well, yeah, and that's his job. Leader of the bunch, Michael Davis, also having a great camp. I-, I think just watching these DBs drive on the ball and just being so disruptive at the catch point. It's something I notice, you know, almost every practice. It's a physical I- group too. Physical group, and they want. Yeah, there's some ball hawks, and I really see, you know, a revitalization of those Jack boys from this group in 2021 because you got a lot of good guys, got a lot of players with some very versatile skill sets. And you were talking about Tevin Campbell being a really fast player. I know Brandon Faxon has been out for some personal reasons. He's probably taking care of some family stuff at home. Uh, Chargers are giving him free reign to just do what you need to do and get back onto the field. Another thing that I noticed, Keeman Hall. 
uh, is also listed as a starter with the special teams. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really long shot that this guy makes the roster because I've heard his name absolutely zero times all camp. Uh, but John Brannon has made a few plays. I know KJ Sells just uh, signed, but also Dante Vaughn has made some plays as well. So these are some some guys you could be calling up from the practice squad that could potentially outplay expectations. Specifically, John Brannon and Dante Vaughn have all gotten pass breakups in camp that have been talked about multiple times. They've also given up big plays. But, you know, when you're playing in this style of defense, you should expect that. When you're playing cover one and you got man coverage on the outside, sometimes you're going to get beat. Everybody gets beat. But they're also making plays, which is great to know. Yeah, it, it, we, we talked about it when we talked about the Broncos' depth. It, it's one of those positions you can't have too much depth at. So to see these young guys who I practice squad candidates performing in camp, it's a great to see. It's great to see because we need it. We're going to need a bunch of DBs playing well this year. And then at the safety group, we have Nasir Adderley and Derwin James. Derwin James has been having an awesome camp. He's been one of the Love most it. talked about names. He's He's been talked about before this year, right? But this year, it really seems like he's just super versatile, super healthy. He's yeah. making plays everywhere. I know Joey Bosa yesterday on an interview was saying that he already sees Derwin James as a Hall of Fame type player if he can stay healthy. He brings wow. a new energy. Justin Herbert keeps talking about how he just makes the not just the team better, but the NFL better. He's one of those players that just brings energy and excitement and awareness to the NFL. Like he's just one of those guys. He's got that personality. I know he was just given the green dot in his helmet, so he's calling plays. Uh, he's just going to be really exciting, really fun to watch. Now, Nasir Adderley, he's been a little quiet. He's made a few plays here and there. I haven't heard a whole lot of negative about him. I just haven't been hearing about him a whole lot. But who I have been hearing a lot about is Mark Webb and Aloe Gilman. Aloe Gilman is particular. It seems like every week, every practice, Daniel Popper is talking about Aloe Gilman. He's been getting a lot of pass breakups, a lot. Every every day he seems to have like three or four. He's 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 gonna play significant snaps next year. I'm calling that now. I think he's definitely going to be playing an expanded role, especially when you're bringing Derwin James down into the box and and playing linebacker. Because I think Derwin James is gonna be playing some linebacker. Yeah. I think you're gonna get a lot of Aloe Gilman. And I think he's gonna excel in coverage. Now I don't know how he's gonna play against the run. Uh, to be honest, we didn't get a whole lot of film of that last year, but. Well, he's going to play. And then Mark Webb has also been super impressive. I know he's been injured the last couple of days, but he's been super, super impressive. We originally were talking about how the Chargers safety room is lacking in depth. Mm-hmm. And I'm not seeing it, to be honest. I'm, I'm seeing young guys that people don't know about that are shining in camp. And I'm looking to project that forward into next season. Yeah, but another good place to be guys we had not you know putting no faith in and just coming out and having phenomenal camps each of them uh, Aloe Gilman we can't similar to Kaiser White just on every single Daniel Popper article it's Kaiser White and then Aloe Gilman just making plays left and right I, I agree with you I think he's going to see a lot of snaps this year and I think he's going to play well in those minutes Mark Webb I, I, I really want to see the pads to get popping and to see these safeties start tackling. Cause I think that's, it's going to separate. That's so going to be the, the factor who's going to, who's the best open field tackler of the bunch. And that guy's going to get the, the most playing time from our backup DBs, I think. So looking at this roster, who are you most excited to watch on Saturday against the Rams? Hmm. While you're looking at that, let me give you my takes. Number one, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jerry Tillery. I'm not expecting too many starters to play, but I really want to see how he has progressed. I'm also really looking forward to seeing Asante Samuel play. I think Asante Samuel is, you know, he's going to get some real competition. We've been seeing him in camp, but he's a small guy. He's going to be going up against some bigger guys. I see him playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He's going to get involved in the run game. I want to see how he tackles. And then I'm really looking forward to some of our backup linemen. I know that doesn't sound interesting, but I really want to see what the depth of this team looks like. I want to see Tyree St. Louis. I want to see Scott Quisenberry. I want to see Darius Harper, even Trey Pipkins. And we haven't really talked about Trey Pipkins a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing, can Trey Pipkins be a quality swing tackle? 
can we rely on him in a pinch if, you know, Brian Bulaga goes down or if Rayshon Slater goes down? Can we rely on them? And then probably lastly, I'm really looking to see how this running back room shapes up. I want to see the run game and how that that projects forward. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go off this guy because I don't think we've talked about him enough. And he's a player that when we drafted him, I wasn't super thrilled about, but then kind of doing some research, I was like, hmm, I think this guy could be real special for us. And that's Josh Palmer. Because, man, that guy's also been having a phenomenal he training has. camp. He And he's really just looks like a, a perfect blend of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You have the the salsa dancing feet and the quick route running that Keenan has, and then you combined it with just that physical, taller receiver that can go up and just manhandle DBs in, in contested catch situations. So he's bringing the best of both worlds. I really want to see what that he can do against some live reps. He He's built more like a running back. He's huge. He's really strong, dude. So I want to see him with some runs after the catch, breaking some tackles, um, and really seeing how he develops uh, in that offense. Because I think he's, I really think he's our wide receiver three right now. Uh, I think, you know, Tyron Johnson was running away with it, but then that injury and then his staying away from the field, I think, really let Palmer take that spot. And I, I want he's him a lot more reps for sure. And I want to see him get a lot of reps. Guyton's been out a little bit too, so Palmer's been getting a lot of reps. Yeah, and looking good with them too. So yeah, I, I want to see him going up against some other team's top backup DBs and just dogging them because I, I think I think he's really I think he's going to be special for us in a couple of seasons. And I think just as a rookie, he's showing skill uh, some skill sets that he's going to be very dangerous as a pass catcher for sure. I want to see him with a quality quarterback. We haven't ever seen yeah. Josh Palmer as you know somebody with quality pass throwers right like we haven't seen it so next week i think we're gonna break down the rams game we're gonna talk about some of our backups and how they played it's gonna give us a a lot better idea what this roster is gonna look like look going forward so i'm really excited to dive into some tape next week i'll be watching from afar uh and are you going i'm not i'm gonna be watching from home Uh, i will i was thinking about going to the uh 49ers game but to be honest I, I, I care more about being able to see the game from, you know, a film study type of role yeah. than being actually being there. I'll definitely be there week one for the Cowboys, but I, I really want to dive into some tape and look like who's going to make this roster. Who's going to shine. Yeah. Well, and that, that scrimmage was really eye opening. You saw a lot of guys that getting more minutes than I was expecting. So and I think that just going to more and more, we're going to see what, what this, 53 man roster looks like as we progress and get into each preseason game. So yeah, definitely excited and looking forward to taking on the Rams because by the way, I think we're the best team in Los Angeles right now. And I think they're a little upset about it. You know, I I don't have any doubt about that. Now we did have to go and steal some, some really good coach away from the Rams to be able to get this good, but you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm stoked to see this game on Saturday and Bolt up. Bolt up, baby. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.